Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome. Welcome to the Haunted Estate. Would you ask, am I good? Yeah. Um, I'm about done with you. Are you done with me? You have had a man cold. I've had a man cold for, for a while. For a while. And today, a little sassy. A little sassy. Yeah. A little extra. Probably the sassiest you've been around other people before. Mm, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah. Is that, is that what you're going to say? You don't know about that? Yeah. I mean, I'm not denying the amount of sass, but I, this ain't the sassiest. You be like a people. bit of a, of a biatch. I know, but I just, you know, I'm sick. I you're going through it. I I get annoyed easy. Hey, when I'm sick, though, aren't I just the sweetest little bean? No. no. Is this what you think? Are you serious? Nobody's the sweetest bean when Yeah, but sick. I'm not like you. Okay, maybe not. It's been a month since these people you're have better hurt than me. you. It's okay. I'm not better than you. That was one of the questions I actually put out to Instagram, and I was like, who has their shit most together out of the three of us? And I was like, not me. <laughs> <laughs> who, who'd you say? I don't know who. I think it's between, you got your shit together? <laughs> <laughs> I think it, was, it would be Adam. Adam has the most of his shit together, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you. But not right now. No, not right now. Um, Adam's been doing this thing where he lays in bed and he coughs because he's sick. And he coughs in a weird way, I think, because you don't want to like aggravate your head. But he does this thing where it's like his brain echolocates to my pillow. And um, I swear, you, are, you have hyper adjusted these. This mic- It's too loud. My ears are ringing. <laughs> Am His I, am brain. I not allowed to have a, head, a microphone, a headphone adjustment? The you had like was 30 minutes you. before Nobody we started. Nobody even knew what me and Taylor were <laughs> yeah, doing. Yeah, you ruined it. We had it. that all behind the scenes, <laughs> and then you totally just no, called it these out. These people need to understand what it there is like setting up for this understand. podcast. Adam sits down, he's like, okay, I got to fix my chair. And then for like four minutes, you hear like, <laughs> the yeah, chair this isn't right yet. This isn't right. And then he's like, okay, mic up, mic down, mic up, 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 down, 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 up, down, left, right, southwest, north. Check it because you were doing your mic sound. Um, I was, yeah, I was, I was being okay, gross. Okay, don't reenact them. Why? I was having a great time. Do you know why I bought this vitamin water? Because it said XXX. I thought it was sex water. Oh, does it make you more sexy? Because you can't no. get much sexier than you already are. Damn. That was hot. No, apparently it just um, is full of antioxidants, which well, I need good, because then you won't my story, my story, every time Adam has to cough, his brain echolocates the closest pillow that I use. I try and cover <laughs> my mouth for the most part, but sometimes I'm worried about my concussion. Yeah. So I'm like just bracing for the cough. What has my side of the bed been through this week? Oh my gosh. Can we touch on that for a second? Oh Tell them. Oh my gosh. Well, it starts with Eddie. Yeah. And it ends with Eddie. And it's constantly been Eddie. Okay, but here's what happens. And first night, first night, throws up three times. First he, thro- he throws up on the bed, on my blanket. No, on the blanket to the side. Get him off. Well, he's on the floor. He throws up on my blanket. And then he goes over and he throws up on my pillow. Okay, that happened. Then Adam coughs all over my side of the bed. Then I think I, the coughing is the least of your worries in this whole story. I don't know. Because his puke isn't going get, to get me virally sick. Okay, we got in the comments <laughs> on YouTube, story break. We need to know, is it a myth that you're only contagious when you're first getting a cold? Or are you contagious continuously I just feel like the entire cold? If shit's leaking out of your body, I don't want to touch it. I, well, I agree with that. <laughs> There's uh, germs in it. <laughs> but then, and then, get this. Last night, Eddie's in bed with me. He's in bed, okay? We're chilling. We just turn lights off. He walks down to the end of the bed. I think, oh my God, he's going to get all cozy. He's going to get all sweet. My feet start getting warm. 
he peed on me in bed. Yeah, why? I don't know. That was so weird. So, so we took him to the vet. We took his pee to the vet. There's two out. There's two possibilities here. He's either got like something up with his urine, doesn't like it, something up with his pisser, or... He's jealous. He's jealous because you were loving the shit out of Molly. Yeah, because that's my, that's my OG. maybe he was going to mark his territory as possible too. What a twat. But like he's never done that before. No. It was so weird. It was so weird. Yeah. He's so cute though. Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, no, absolutely not. Go no, ahead. I'm just kidding. I don't Both want anyone to pee on Both of us up a bunch of times during all that and just like we have to clean this and do that and you just want to go to bed. And Adam's like deathly ill and he's like, no man, like I just can't. Luckily, I, can't. I was deathly ill the first time when he threw up because apparently according to you, it was the worst smell yeah, in existence. Yeah, because the reason he threw up was because he ate all of Gucci's poop and then threw up her poop in my bed. <laughs> That is the grossest scenario of yeah. anything ever happening ever. It's been ever. pouring a lot, raining a lot where we are here. We have little dogs and we have the curse. They will not go outside they and say do their business when it's raining. No wet I have toes. to bring them out there, drag them out there to do it. So I still try and do what I can, but yeah. they always end up doing it in the house once or twice. What about your little dogs? Do they go outside in the rain? Yeah. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> They'll piss and shit anywhere. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, we have some good news, okay? At least something good's coming out of this. Ooh. This weekend, the new Insidious movie comes out. Oh. That's one of your favorite that's series. That's like my favorite series ever. Yep. And I that recently... And the Conjuring Universe. I learned that Taylor hasn't seen any of the Insidious movies. You haven't movies. seen any of the Insidious movies? No. Well, you're not a horror movie guy, no, right? I've never been. Do you yeah. want to sleep over in the cabin and watch all the Insidious movies tonight? No, thank you. <laughs> I'll do it with you. Oh. He, but I... Yeah. You watch it? Oh, well, I've seen them all. Yeah, but you've seen, yeah, you've They're seen good. I just uh, what? I haven't seen like that. I haven't seen Hereditary. I haven't seen any of those movies. Why are we friends at this point? He made me go see Prom, the musical. Yeah, how was that? You said made, but what do you feel like after? I loved it. Yeah, it <laughs> I loved it so much. I can't do musicals. When I was a kid, like no, super young, me neither. If like a Disney movie, went, I put a Disney movie in. This was different. And they were singing. And I was really young. So like, here's me hoping, oh, it might be like 25% musical. I can handle this. And yeah. then like yeah. the music part's over and the normal movie stuff starts again. And like, I'm so excited. I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. We're getting into the movie now. We're getting into the movie now. It lasts like five minutes maximum. Boom. Another music. Musical rendition, whatever you want to call it. I think you'd like prom. I think you'd I, like prom. No, no, musicals make me die inside. Well, what is it? Oh, like, I die can we ask? Inside. Yeah. Like, what? What is it? Because I'm pissed off. I don't get to watch it. No, it's not cringy. It cr makes me cringe. It pisses me off that I don't get to watch a movie, like a normal movie. Like it's when I get blindsided and don't know it's a musical. And when I was a kid, because I wasn't as smart and know, can look at the movie and know it's a musical, wait, wait. I would get blindsided and like. <laughs> I wanted to watch That's a normal right. fucking movie. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, imagine if like the Conjuring series. Yeah, I'd walk out of the theater. Can you imagine if it's like, oh no, I think there's a doll. The doll is haunted. It's <laughs> going to get you. <laughs> and then Annabelle has like a whole dance series, which is like Megan. <laughs> I would throw my popcorn at the screen. Dude, did, we, did I ever watch Megan with you? Yeah. When that doll broke out and started singing Titanium. Oh, no, I did not watch no, Megan. Oh, no. my God. No, Dude, you guys watched there's Megan. This moment. You went to the, the was that what you We saw it twice. Because yeah. we saw it with Chris. And the whole time, Chris is just laughing her ass off. But there's this moment where Megan is like putting the girl to bed and she just starts, she <laughs> sings the entire Titanium song. <laughs> titanium. And we're just like. See, I can do that. I can do a movie where they <laughs> break it out once or twice. Mm-hmm. But like you, it go, if it's full on musical, count me out. <laughs> so sad. You guys oh can gosh. have your musicals. Yeah, no, we'll I'm have our musicals. Hanging my skates up for that one. No, it was fun. It was fun to be theatrical. Chris and I got to be theatrical at VidCon. If you guys, we finally did VidCon. It was, it was really cool. Chris and I did a panel together. We did a Q&A, but we didn't tell anybody. Okay, we set this up. We talked to security. So this is the this cool is part. Hilarious. This is the funniest story ever. <clears throat> so we're at VidCon. We decide ahead of time. We want to hide in the audience. We want to wear disguises. We want to be in the audience. We want to like trick everybody. So we set it up with security ahead of time. We showed them our outfits. They walked us in. They got us like but walked away so like nobody knew so we're sitting in the audience and the one thing that we didn't know is they knew the area we were going to run but the guy at that area was not told 
Yeah. He was the one guy the, not told. So we had security in the back, but this security guard was just like standing out front where all the people are just to stop people from going back behind the curtain backstage. Yeah. So the he guy who walked us, he did not get notified. So he's in the blue shirt. We'll call him blue shirt. Yeah. So the, the, like the hardcore security guides were all in suits. They look so sharp. So we follow him in, we get our seats. We're sitting there. They say their whole thing. This, this woman, she, she did, she took theater in college and she was so into it. And she was like, Oh wait, wait, hold on. And she's like, I know you guys are excited. And she goes in the back and then she comes back out. She's like, um, they just, um, they're not, um, they're not, they're not here on time. I'm sorry. I, I don't know what's going on. So then I stand up and I go, this is horseshit. Selena's sitting in the audience at this time. Dressed like a Karen. Chris is out there too. Yeah. They we're both in the audience. On. So I'm dressed like her mother. Okay. So I'm full. I have Gucci's glasses on. I have like, like eyeglasses. I look like eyeglasses. I'm wearing a Karen wig. I got like a, a long white overcoat on. Chris is dressed like, like a definite Sam and Colby fan. She's got like Sam and Colby merch on, like sunglasses on a black wig. We're just like her hood up. Yeah, her hood up. Like she just looks like somebody who would be a bit gone. And I, I stand up and I'm like, this is horse shit. And then Chris stands up. She goes, yeah, this is horse shit. And I'm like, you're not allowed to say horse shit. And she's like, we drove all the way here from Alabama's. Alabama's. <laughs> and I'm like, we should go find them. And she's like, yeah. So we, we start running towards the back, towards Blue Shirt. To go behind which backstage. Is, yeah, which is where stage. we had decided we were going to run to. Yep. Everybody knew this. So we're running. We start tearing off our stuff. Everyone's like cheering because they figured out that it was us. And it's so funny because our friend Steven, he was in the audience and I could see him like looking around because he knew, but he didn't, he couldn't find us. So we're running. (laughs) Chris is in front of me. Blue shirt grabs Chris at the waist, freaking hurls her back. She like flies backwards. And then you see me like a boy, like boom, 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 boom. You just make it right through. And I whip my wig off at the security guard. And I, and then then you see blue shirt just run after me in the back. (laughs) And then Chris comes in the back. It looks so good. Like it was so real. And Chris is like, whoa, that was awesome. And like, you didn't know. He had no idea. And he He felt felt so bad. bad. So Chris, Chris had to go tell him. There's like a massive lawsuit there, right? Like we Mm. would never do that. But like the wrong person got put in that situation. And then the girl who's in security, she's like, can you go say sorry? And Chris is like, this is my fault. You didn't fucking tell him. So no, that was that was hilarious. That was probably my favorite part, but I got to do some panels, which was really cool. So there was that panel. Then I did um, a paranormal panel actually. Yeah, thrills and chills. With Kelsey, um, Sneak Snag, Snug, Sneak Snag, Sneak Snag. I'm not he sure. was so nice. Such a following. Um, and then the Cecil Hotel guy, his name though too, but it was the most packed panel I've been to. We were yeah, on the big stage. Was, there wasn't a seat. There wasn't a seat available. It was amazing. And man, I came out. I'm like, I'm Selena Spooky, and everybody cheered. And like, when I tell you, my heart was full. I got to meet so many of you guys. I didn't do a meet and greet. I didn't really get an opportunity to do one. Um, I got in a little late on it, but I'm gonna be honest with you, it was it was really amazing to meet the people that I did. Yeah, I you met a few cool people questions. at your panel with Chris. Yeah. Where we got the rug. <gasps> oh, yeah. You got um, to meet those people that make the rugs. What's his name? That was amazing. Rug, rug Muncher. Muncher. Rug Muncher. Yeah. So he he made a Mahana Estate rug. We're going to put it on the table here. It's amazing. Yeah. But like we a huge shout out yet. to them. I'm going to share it on Instagram. Ours, Jay shipped it to yeah, us. Yeah, Jay had to ship it to us. So it'll be here soon. But no, we went. LA was just, I like going to LA. We actually went early to go ghost hunting with Chris. <clears throat> um we actually got to go to the famous comedy store. Yeah, the and comedy I'm, store, like uh, the store where all yes. of comedy started. All the World most famous. famous comedians have walked through those doors and performed yeah. on those stages. Totally but insane. That was a wild night. I would say, unexpectedly, the most paranormal place we've been so far. Yeah, you were just easily getting in contact with things. And it was just, I didn't expect that. Like usually, like you do a lot of ghost hunting and a lot of it just comes up with nothing. And, and like yeah. we get so much footage and like not a lot of it becomes useful or it would be a very boring video for you guys. And it's not only that, but like the history, like it was, it was insane. Yeah. But the like mob history and mm-hmm. the stuff hap- that happens in the base that happened in the basement there. Yeah. I'm, I'm most excited. I'm most excited for this video to come out. Like it's actually and incredible. What happened to you that we can't give away too much. <clears throat> um, what I can say is like, um, I did experience what I would call a possession something um, you like used your gift and you really went to that other side um and i did i'm not and gonna what say happened was insane i you just have to leave it there yeah let's leave it there leave it there but what happened was violent yeah and yeah. viral hopefully because like, i think it, it has to like i've never experienced wild and like we may get called out for it being fake or something that's how crazy it is and like that's fine 
I don't even think so, man. Like when I watch back, we grab the camera, we watch back the footage. Like I was just like, cause I have no memory. I like blacked out during yeah. this period. So <clears throat> I think it's going to be really interesting to see it. Cause I, I don't know if I've ever experienced that before. Like you should have control over my body and right. I just didn't. So yeah, you went deep. Like, and I almost threw up after. So something kept yeah. you there or took hold of you there. I don't know. Anyways, no, that was bananas. Spoilers, no spoilers. But no, I love going to LA. We went, we went to VidCon. We got to come home a day early because they didn't do the Disney party. So yeah. I was like, I'm out. Plus, you had no commitments on Saturday. So. Yeah, it took us 18 hours to get home. Yeah, it's a long travel from for us. Well, Especially we flew out of Detroit it. Airport too. Sometimes we do no that. more doing that. Yeah, we won't do that anymore. But <laughs> no, no, but no. This, so if you guys are watching this now, you probably know that the Palace Theater video came out. Yes. Hey. That was so cool. Um, people are really enjoying it. It dropped on Saturday. You're now listening to us on Thursday. It's a two-part spooky series that I did with Christina, my love, my best friend, whose birthday was actually on July 1st. Yeah, July She's 1st, 27. She's, her and I are officially the same age. Yeah. Yeah, she's been getting closer to my age every right. year. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no. Um, I thought she was 24, though. Oh, shit. Grace is 24. Yeah. I'm 27. Yeah. I just got that messed up. That's all that was. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll bleep that out for you, Chris. But no, the Palace Theater was really cool. Um, it was something Jay actually set up. He had been there before for showing one of his films. And it was like this like really creepy theater that was kind of run down. And we investigated it. And I don't want to give you any spoilers. But that was that was like a fun, genuine haunt. Well, that video's out. You can talk about it. Oh, yeah. Well, how hot was it in that theater? Oh, my God. <laughs> you instantly started sweating. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It was yeah. like 30 degrees inside. No AC? No. And it was in Texas, correct? And we were in Texas. It was hot. Wow. And the night before, <coughs> we, we were at the Driscoll Excuse Hotel. Me. And we, we double ghost hunted. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Driscoll Hotel's out. Yeah, that one. Was yeah, out. they're all out, which is great. But yeah, the next one, it looks like we do for Saturday of every yeah. month. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. But um, um, yeah, the Driscoll Hotel, the comedy star. Oh, yeah. So I saw a ghost. Yeah. What the I heck? I saw a ghost. Oh. I haven't oh. seen a Where physical. Where do we want to start this? Do we want to start this back with your uncle? Yeah. Or is that too much? Do no. we not want to give that away? I can tell stories. I can tell stories. Okay. <clears throat> so How did I, we get into this accent, by the I way? Don't I don't know. When I think I, that was you, Selena. Usually. <laughs> you're, that's good. Oh, you like that? Yeah. You think that's a good one? Yeah. There's this point at Adam's sickness where he had like that really sexy, sick voice. Mm. And I was like, go behind that wall and tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with my face? Why do I have to go behind the wall? I just wall? want to pretend you're somebody else for a minute. Oh. Like in a hot way, not in like, I know he's still my husband. Oh, did I, did I just I'm hurt you? Sad, no. Did I just hurt you? No, I love you. <laughs> See, that's the kind of stuff that we're lucky we can talk about together. Because oh, we're, we're both sane, right? Yeah, like we just, we know it's still just, we don't. Oh, I feel sorry for people that get caught in situations where they make a joke like that and one of them's like, blah, 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 freak out, get weird. I saw this this text thread once and it was a guy, it was like a screen and he said, Hey baby, but autocorrect hit the wrong thing and it came out. Hey Abby, <laughs> and then and then he just put underneath it. Oh, here we go. Yeah, and then it I turned. It was a meme lately. Wasn't yeah, it or she's like, who the fuck is Abby? <laughs> yeah, you showed me that. Um, but no. So usually when I jumping back in the story, when I see ghosts, a lot of the time I see them in my mind's eye, which is I think how psychics work. I think that's how mediums kind of work. Like I can be like sitting here and look over here and like I don't see anything there, but in my head I just. I just know. Yeah, a lot of it you think is in that situation is you're seeing back in time. Well, you're yeah, seeing no, back replays in time. of energy in places. But that's like that's like your main ability. But even how I see ghosts, a lot of the time they're not actually there. Like physically seeing okay, ghosts. You're imagining it in that spot. Physically seeing ghosts. The last time I physically saw one that wasn't at the house, because I've physically seen the woman out here. I've seen Leroy. The other physical person that I saw was at um, the Winchester Mansion with Sam and Colby. But usually, like, I will see them here because this place is wild. But it's been a while since I actually saw, saw, saw one. Like, that was probably last year. Right. So my uncle is... He's just older and he's going a little senile is to say is the nicest way to put it. It yeah. might be a few more things than that, but he's going senile. Yeah. Well, he um he can't really take care of his property. So he went away on a vacation and... um the family kind of jumped in to take care of the front of his house because it hadn't been maintenance in like half a decade. Yeah. So it took a lot. It took like five days. And my grandmother was someone who kept her house up. Yeah. Like she would get on her hands and knees and polish the wood floors. Like 
she kept everything immaculately beautiful and her garden meant so much to her like she would sit out there like a single weed it was beautiful she she won like awards from the city for how beautiful her garden was and the way that it looked like i'm telling you she would roll over in her grave she would roll over in her grave so we worked really hard and i was there with just my dad and i and this is my mom's mom so my dad doesn't have a relation it's just his mother-in-law um, my grandmother passed away in 2007 or eight. And after that, um, the house just kind of has stayed still. My uncle lives in the basement, but like kind of like upstairs hasn't been touched. But like the garden really needed help. So we've been tearing it down, really working on stuff. Um, this was kind of the last day my my dad and I were doing mulch. So I was shoveling mulch into a bucket to take it over. And I, I shoveled the mulch, looked at the front window, which was her favorite room, dumped the mulch in. Came back, picked it up, looked at the front window, saw my grandmother standing there with a little smile, didn't think anything of it. Yeah, yeah, that's the funny part, <coughs> or like the interesting part. You didn't even, didn't even phase you at first. No, then I put it in, and then I'm like, and I look up and she's gone, and I immediately, goosebumps from the top of my head to the tips of my toe, and I just look at my dad, I'm like, dad, and he's like, what? And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, and then I'm just like, I just saw grandma in the front window. And then, like the little bitch I am, I start crying. Like, bawling. Like, I haven't bawled. Like, I haven't seen anything from my grandma, really, since she passed away. Like, she's come through to my mom a little bit. Like, when we used um, the REM pod and stuff. But other than that, not really. Yeah. And my dad just looks at me. And he's like, she would have loved that we're doing this. And then my dad starts bawling his eyes out. So then after I took a bunch of pictures. We did. We had a moment. But, like, that's the one thing my dad said. Like, he doesn't get along with, with my uncle. But... He was like, I'm not doing this for him. Like, I'm doing this for Jonesina because, like, they they would have loved that. Because both that, my grandmother and my grandfather are gone. I haven't had a grandparent. My, all my grandparents, except for my grandmother, were gone by the time I was three. Yeah. And then my grandmother passed away when I was, like, a teenager. So, it's wild. But that was, that was like, a heavy moment for me. Because yeah. when we go in there, like, when he wasn't there to make sure that nothing bad had happened, like, you don't feel like you're alone oh, yeah. in that house. No, feel did you energy. feel alone in there? No, it has a different vibe for sure. <laughs> well, it's definitely got a, it's definitely got a '60s vibe. Oh yeah, yeah. But even especially in the basement, yeah. like it always look, it feels like someone's watching you. Well, there's fucking mannequins everywhere too. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> no, that doesn't help. That doesn't help. Yep. But no, it's just um, it's it's very different for sure, for sure. But no, that that blows my mind. But yeah, um, did you guys see that thing online where it's like? <laughs> It's a red flag if you relax to crime documentaries. Have you seen that? I, you live that. I know. So like when I wake up in the morning and you come in and I'm getting ready for the day, what's on? Either how to catch a predator (laughs) or true crime. Dude, I want to do how to catch a predator so bad. I know, I know. There's one guy who does it. And and you know what the thing is? is Maybe it's not monetized, but like companies really respect him and they like he gets brand deals and stuff for doing these videos. Is that the one that's kind of a comic (laughs) comedian about it? Yes, he's so funny. I love him. Making fun of them. Here's the thing. This is what it comes back to for me. When I was younger was kind of the birth of all these chat rooms and stuff like that. And at age like 11, 12, 13, 14, I was in these chat rooms and bro, bros, brodettes. Mm-hmm. Yo. I was targeted. Yeah. And I didn't think anything of it. I was just so excited. And it even, it even rolls back to the whole Tory That's Stafford thing that, that I went through. Yes. Because I was 17 and here's this 28 year old guy. And it is so close to my heart. And my whole life I've wanted to do this. Well, that's something you don't think about too when you're older and like more mature is you have to put yourself in a child's mind again to really understand how susceptible they are. Because some children are really neglected by their family or parents or have hard times. And like they will just take any attention they can get. Absolutely. And I just feel like, you know, back when this was happening to me, my mom was getting sick. My dad worked a lot. Like I was talking to these like, 40 year old dudes and I'm like oh you're so pretty you should come out yeah. I had the sense enough though to block them when they when they got weird and stuff yeah but I'm gonna tell you right now it feels so close to me and like especially after the Tory thing again like I just want to save kids I want to save kids I feel like that's a way for me to write my my perpetual guilty guilty yeah. feeling that I have Mel Gibson's you know. releasing a movie yeah. oh. about <laughs> No, no, no. I know. About like sex trafficking and child sex trafficking. Okay. Yeah. I just, like, I wish that could be the next That was random until I got to the (laughs) topic. It's more of a documentary. I just wonder how that would would do. Yeah. Like one time. Let's do it one time and see how it goes. It's just so hard because, like, 
you're in a great place with your content and we love our fans and our friends and like there is like a sketchy line there because the, the the police can get upset with you. I would work with them. The authorities. I would work with stuff. them. I think that would be Dude, hard here. They but we put could out try. a thing. They literally put out a thing. There was a guy who was doing it in town. Yeah. And they I mean. arrested him. That's what I mean. Because they didn't like how in, he did it. In Canada, like, and we're not necessarily just in Canada, but it's really going to depend on the p- local police department in your area. Some this of them is what feel frustrates like me. intruded upon that you're doing their job. This is what frustrates me. I get it. You're doing your job. You have to get all of all of your ducks in a row to make sure you can prove in court. But so many of these people, they get pulled out. They go to jail for six months for learning yeah. a child. But you know what? Maybe their name gets dropped, but like getting exploited on the internet. Yeah, that's is like the ultimate. Like mentally, it's punishment. better almost, right? Like depending on how they feel about themselves. Like, I know. I just feel like that way it will never go away. Like yeah. no matter where you move, people will know what you did. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I have a lot of inner rage about this shit. <laughs> well, but, it's like one of the most heinous crimes, in my opinion. Right? No, and it, you don't fuck with kids. It goes back to kids and like how heavily like they are influenced by things. Yeah. Like I was watching a true crime this morning, and it actually led to what I'm going to be talking about on the podcast um, today. I want to read some creepy pastas, um, which are like these like short, spooky stories. But there were these two girls, and they were obsessed with Slenderman, and they had found the Slenderman story on Creepy Pasta. And they believed it so much that they went out and stabbed their friend like over 50 times and she almost died. And they were like 11 and 12 years old or something like that. And they're in like jail and like a psychiatric place for like probably until their 20s or maybe even the rest of their life. But like kids are so heavily influenced. Yeah. If they're in like a bad environment. Yeah. Like if they're in. Well, even if they're not in a bad environment. Like kids are it's just all statistically, statistically, they're not going to do something like that if they're raised in a good, yeah. solid home environment. I believe in bad seeds. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. But that's like, have you seen that's that like movie? a small section. No, I haven't. That's like a small section of the statistic, right? But I, I, it does happen. I get you. Yeah. No. No, it's crazy. But yeah, that takes us to, is there anything else you want to say? I don't know. Like so much has gone on over the last month. I know. We're only doing these monthly now, right? I like, know. We the need house to make is starting list. to come together. Yeah, we're almost on the house. Cabin's yes, done. The cabin's done. It's beautiful. So that's fun. You're feeling better. I'm getting better. Yeah, feeling yeah, better. I'm sick right better. now. So it sucks being sick when you have a head cold with like post concussion syndrome. <laughs> it makes it so much like, worse. Tightens everything up. Yeah, it's way worse. But as yeah. soon as the cold goes away, I'll be back to fine. It'll be so strong. But yeah, I mean, lots of cool content's going to be coming from YouTube down the road. Like once the the house has been like the bane of our existence for this whole and year. Once it's like together, and we'll, even when we just get our kitchen back and we can cook and not be just distracted all the time, and things have a place. Yeah, we're gonna be able to. It's do been so hard so to eat healthily. Like, we're gonna be able to do so much fun stuff for YouTube and get you guys involved so much and yeah. the fans and and it's just everything's gonna get so much better. No, I absolutely love it. But yeah, I wanted to just, I wanted to intro this before we started reading some good creepypasta stories that I found because I knew Adam was sick. So I'm like, just come for the, come talk for a little bit, come but then take the off. intro. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, what is that? I could see it in the background. I'm like, do you have a penis? No. Oh, did you hear? She yeah, I heard her. She's what? talking. What's your name? Susie. Oh. Susie. Are you a demon Susie? Yeah, are you? No. Okay, well, where did that voice come from, Susie? What voice? That one. Yeah, it's a possessed demon that doesn't know it's possessed, so sometimes it talks normal. The demon comes out in her, and she doesn't eyes. even know it's happening. You Close like my Wiener Schnitzel? She probably blacks out. <laughs> I don't like your Wiener Schnitzel. You just said you didn't have one, Susie. I have one. Bipolar. I gotta go. Susie's <laughs> way too bipolar for me. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
All right, guys. So I did. I went on to a creepy pasta and I looked up some of the top rated stories and um, I found a few of them interesting. This one is called My Father Punished Me When I Talked to Ghosts. Mm. Mm. I've been blind since birth. As I grew up, everything was described to me in such vivid detail that I didn't even realize why it was important to see, especially having no reference point to compare it to. We lived in a single floor ranch house. That's what father told me. In my mind, of course, I could see, although unlike how a sighted person could. I had spatial awareness. I knew where my bedroom was, where the bathroom, living room, and kitchen were. Each wall had its own texture. I knew that it was done on purpose, or if I could feel things, others never noticed. I rarely fell over. Only a father or one of the visitors put something somewhere they shouldn't have. It was usually the visitors. My father would shout, They visited infrequently, and only briefly when they did, Father said that I shouldn't speak to them, that it unsettled him. He'd worry when I saw something he didn't, saw it with my ears or by touch. Ellie was the first. She seemed very sweet. She asked me my name and why my face was so messed up. She was in the living room. I could hear where she sat from her breaths, harsh nasal sounds as if her nose was blocked. When father had, as if her nose was black, blocked, when father had a cold, he'd always breathe through his mouth, big labored breaths as if he wasn't used to it. When people mentioned my face, I always touched it, trying to work out why it was so strange to them. When I asked if I could touch theirs, there was always a pause. I guess sighted people never did that. Why would they need to? When I asked Ellie if I could touch her face, she reluctantly agreed. But moments later, Father entered the room and asked me who I was speaking to. I told him, nobody. He would always punish me when I spoke to them. I think it scared him. He'd take my arm and march me off. I'd be knocked unbalanced and disoriented to the point that when he finally sat me down, my hands would frantically search my surroundings until I knew where I was. It was usually my bedroom, though every now and again he'd leave me outside in the middle of nowhere. That was the worst. I would be lost and scared. He told me about how the road and that it, about the road that ran in front of the house and explained the sounds. I heard cars and that they would kill me if they touched me. Those sounds were my only means of recognizing my surroundings. I waited until I heard one, and I knew which way to run back to the house. I heard Ellie that evening. She whispered to me, saying she was scared. I whispered back, but she didn't hear. I asked father about Ellie. He didn't want to talk about her. I asked him why. He didn't reply. When I told him that she asked about my face, he asked me how I responded. I told him I wanted to touch hers. He laughed, though I knew he wasn't happy. I could hear the difference. When you laugh for pleasure, your mouth is wide open. When you pretend, your mouth is almost closed. To me, the difference was obvious. It wasn't until I was older, he explained. He said we lived in a special place, connected to the other world, that sometimes dead people slip through. People who died in pain and wanted to reach the living. He explained that because I couldn't see, I was able to tune into that, that they knew I was listening, when others weren't. He said to ignore it. Otherwise, he told me they'd latch on and never leave me. All the dead want to do is be alive again, he said. It was dangerous. They would trick me. He said he knew how to deal with them, but he couldn't help if they became attached to me. Alex appeared to me a few years later. She told me she was lost and didn't know where she was. I told her I wasn't allowed to speak to her. Still, she pleaded for help. I kept quiet, not knowing what would happen if I said anything. Did you speak to them? Father asked. Though I was upset, I told him no. I wished I could help her. I knew what it was like to be lost, and it scared me. Alex didn't whisper to me at all. I'd ignored her, and she ignored me. Father saved me, and I was thankful. After Alex, I knew what I needed to do, so I did it. The spirit stopped bothering me after that for a very long time. That was until Sarah appeared. Sarah didn't give me a chance to be quiet. 
I was on my own sitting in the living room and listening to the television. Help, she said. I need to find a way out. I stayed silent. You can hear me, can't you? She asked, surprised. I'm not allowed to speak to you, I told her. Please, she begged. I'm scared. I'm lost. I want to see my daddy. I gripped the arms of the chair and told her I wasn't allowed. He's dead, she said. I didn't answer. Your father's dead, she said again. I wasn't going to fall for it. I heard banging from around the room as things began to fly and the shelves began to shake. Stop it, I shouted. And it did. Please help me leave, she said. I wasn't going to talk to her. I did the only thing I thought would help. I unlocked the front door, hoping she'd run out and get lost, just like I would do. When I heard from her no more, I locked the door and sat back down. I listened intently for any sign she was still there. Except for the sounds of the TV, it was silent. I hated when my heart raced. I became all too aware of the tick-tock feeling and the rise and fall within my chest like it was about to explode. When I heard my father's voice, I screamed. Son, he said. I need your help. I think I'm dying. I did what he told me to do. I didn't speak. If he did die, he'd never leave me. Instead, I raced out into the open air and I shouted for help. I shouted until my voice was hoarse. I heard the sounds of cars racing along the road in front of my house, and I shouted until I heard someone respond. It was a woman. What's wrong? they asked. I told them I think my father's dying. They asked what had happened to my face. I pleaded with them to please help me, and they promised they would. I sat down on the grass, and I waited. Sometimes later, the woman returned and asked me if she could hold my hand. I'm so sorry, she told me. I heard the sounds of sirens and people rushing. I asked what was going on. The woman said she was there for me. As the noise died down, a man asked me a question. I'm a paramedic, he said. What happened to your face? I told him I was fine. He asked if I was sure, and I told him I was. He asked if he minded him touching my face. I said it was okay. A moment later... A moment later, I felt a pressure release from around my forehead. I felt the air cold against my skin. It sounded as if he was peeling an orange. I remember that in my head I had worried he had exposed my insides. I screamed and asked what he was doing. He told me everything was going to be okay. The woman squeezed my hand, telling me to be brave. I didn't know what I was experiencing. I felt a tight pain within my head, like when you smash your shin against something hard, followed by something I come to understand as bright. It hurt so much I began to cry. What happened to your eyes? The paramedic asked. I said I was blind. He asked to check them. The pain returned when he examined them. Do you know him? The man asked the woman who had helped me. She told him that I had been screaming for help and that she had come to my aid, but that she had never met me before. How long have you had your eye injury? He asked me. I told him I'd been blind since birth. He asked me if I could see his fingers. I told him no. He asked if I could open my eyes, and I didn't know what that meant. He asked if I could open them for me. I didn't respond. I felt his fingers on my face, fingers covered in something rubbery. Suddenly, it became bright again. I screamed. He tried to calm me. The woman squeezed my hand again. I didn't know what was happening. I couldn't describe. What I couldn't describe came to me. It was like it always was, but multiplied, multiplied by one hundredfold. And so much more real. I carried on screaming as fuzzy form came into view. Just breathe, okay? The paramedic said. Everything will be fine. When was the last time you saw? As my heart began to calm and my breathing slowed, I became distracted by what I was experiencing. It overwhelmed me. I wanted to cry. And I did. How long has it been? He asked again. I've never seen anything before, I told him. I was told to keep an eye mask on for the rest of the day. 
only taking it off at night to allow my eyes time to adjust. At the same time, I was placed in custody of my aunt and uncle and didn't even know it at first. They were shocked at what happened to me and that I had never attended school. The past few years have been a roller coaster ride. The doctor said I may never have perfect vision, though what I do have is a godsend and I'll take what I can get. I've only recently been learning how to read and write, so I apologize if my English isn't the greatest. It's the best I can do. I've been asking my aunt what happened to my father, and she says that he died of a heart attack. I ask what sort of man he was. She says he was her brother, and she'll love him no matter what. My uncle doesn't want to talk about him at all. I've been using the computer a lot recently, and really enjoying the internet. I can't believe such a thing exists. After being so lonely for so long, I can talk to whoever I want, when I want. Though I'm wary of that. After all, how do I know who I'm speaking to is alive? No one seems to share my father's concerns about that. Today I was on a forum discussing the spirit world. I was so happy to find people who, could re who I could relate to. And someone curious about my username sent me a link to an article on a true crime website. It was about my father, and it mentioned my name. They asked me who I was, and if I was the same person. According to the article, my mother had gone missing soon after my birth. It said that I... My mother had gone missing after my birth. It said I'd been bound so that I couldn't see... Sorry, let me restart. I'm just shocked by this. They asked me who I was and if I was the same person. According to the article, my mother had gone missing after my birth. It said I had been bound so that I couldn't see that my father always wanted a daughter. They had found 14 bodies in the basement. They said one got away. A girl by the name of Sarah Frank. She was the one to call the police. They found father's car parked around the back of the house. They supposed he carried his victims into the basement via the storm entrance and left them there. Sarah had managed to get away after she agreed to be his daughter. The following four days, she sustained torture. Then she stabbed him with a knife he'd placed on the counter to butter some toast. I didn't want to believe it, and I'm not sure I would have. If it weren't for the names of the victims, which two stuck out, Ellie Farmer and Alex Riddell. I had spoken to them both in the living room, to this day, I wonder if my father would have been honest with me about a single thing in his life. Throughout it all, one question remains above all others. Did I speak to Alex and Ellie before or after he killed them? That's crazy. Uh, I want to yeah. barf. Yeah, I know. It's bananas. That was a roller coaster. No, that was a lot. That was a lot. Not what I was expecting. No. And no. this is real? Uh, no, these are creepy passes. So they're they're like made up stories. Some are real, some are folklore. We don't know. That has to be like a movie. Yeah, they're really good. Holy shit! Yeah, mushrooms. Shiitake mushrooms. Oh, there's no title, so that makes it more interesting. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> this is one start um, where it's talking about a grandma. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I don't remember. It was something about <laughs> the grandma. <laughs> okay. Well, let's hope grandma's a good person. Me too. I'd always known that my great-grandma was an orphan, but in late October of last year, she decided to tell me the truth about what happened to her family. We were visiting her for her birthday. It was a tradition in our household, a road trip we knew in the back of our minds we'd only take a few more times. She was turning 98, so that was just the cold, hard truth of the matter. In my childhood, the journey to central Iowa had been a fun and lighthearted affair. But now my brother and parents could only maintain strained politeness as we met up and hit the road together. Each of us knew that this tri trip might be our last. For several hours, we drove through vast open fields that stretched from horizon to horizon. My great-grandma's house was down a narrow dirt road of a wide dirt road off of a travel gravel tractor lane. As a city boy, it was, more or less, the most remote possible dwelling I could imagine. She was born there, had lived there her entire life, and would soon, well, die there. 
As we parked in an open muddy rectangle and stepped out to stretch our legs, the consistency of the place surrounded me. Every single year of my life, this house and its land had been exactly the same. The sky was blue, the earth was a sea of waving gold, and the wind was a smooth river of cold warmth. There was never anything to mar those three pillars of sensory experience except the house, the barn, a defunct old tractor, and the bell. The bell was a simple thing raised high on an old metal crook. It sat out in the fields about a quarter mile from the house, serving as a measure of wind. If a storm was coming, the bell was, was supposed to ring, a necessary precaution in tornado country. The only problem was the bell and its crook had rusted over a long time ago. Every time I got out of the van from age 5 to age 26, I glanced that direction and felt a sense of unease as my gaze fell upon the decayed artifact. This time, at age 27, I looked over and saw that the bell had been scraped and polished clean of rust. It glinted in the sunlight, practically daring me to look at it. I followed my whole family inside while struggling with this feeling of dread that I couldn't articulate. Who had cleaned the bell, and why? I tried to stop thinking about it as we gathered in the kitchen to say our hellos to everyone. My great-grandma was making tea and shooed off our attempts to help. She was a frail woman for whom movement was difficult, but she'd never let that stop her. The Wi-Fi password is on a note in the living room, she told us. Go stare at your phones and the tea will be ready in a moment. My brother and I did as we were told, but my parents turned on the television instead of looking at their phones. For a few minutes, we stayed in our separate worlds, only returning to the present when my great-grandma brought in the tea. And we had a nice time. That night, when everyone else was long asleep, I happened to open my eyes and see a glow under the door of the guest room I shared with my brother. My parents were in a different room, and we would not see the same light, so it was up to me to investigate. Quietly, so as to not, as to not wake my brother, I crept out and down, finding my great-grandma still awake. She sat in a big jade leather chair, her gaze on the television. She asked me without looking my way, You don't fall for this stuff, do you? What, like ads? She pointed to her thin little arm at the nearby couch. Sit. I sat. I'm going to tell you a family secret, she said softly, finally looking into my direction. It's for you, and possibly for your brother, but not your parents. Do you understand me? I didn't, not fully, but I nodded at her. You know, I was an orphan for a time, born in this house, lived with my family, and raised by uncle after it happened. She didn't wait for my nod. I was 10 years old that night. It was my birthday. My mother had gotten me a small cake about the size of your fist. I looked forward to that cake every year since we didn't exactly have sweets bounding about back then. It was 11 cents, so rather expensive for the time. But my mother got one for every one of us on our birthdays, no matter what we had to scrimp or save. All year long, I saw Mary get her cake in January, Arthur get his cake in March, Eleanor in June, Clarence in July, then Ruth a week after Clarence. Then it was months and months until me, the odd one out on October 29th. I was so excited for that cake. As the days rolled closer and the morning dawned, as the hours inched by, I hopped around the house like a bunny rabbit. But I wasn't allowed to eat it until well after supper. I stared at that clock, so I know. Yes, that one on the mantle there, the brass and chrome one. That exact same one. I stared at the clock, so I know. Night fell at 641. That was the bright, that was the moment. Sorry. That was the moment bright orange stopped glinting off the clock and my mother rose a light. I looked at her. Now, I said. She smiled and shook her head. My brothers and sisters complained in a chorus in support of me, but she just shook her head at them. Too soon and she'll ruin her supper. Father came in from the fields not long after, dirty and tired. He ate in silence while we chattered endlessly about what type of cake it would be. Under the frosting, who knew? It might be raspberry, vanilla, or even chocolate. We grew silent as Father neared the cleaning of his plate, an event which would mark the end of supper. Four pieces of meat and bread remained, then three, then two, any moment now. 
He stopped at the last piece, holding it unmoving above the remaining dollop of gravy. We turned our heads. It was the bell. The bell was ringing out in the fields. Father grunted, then put the last piece of his food back on his plate before rising. He opened the front door. We braced ourselves for the wind, but nothing came. He spat on and held up a finger to the night air, then shook his head, moved back to our lamplight and sat. Arthur asked, is it going to storm? Mary asked, is there going to be a tornado? My mother shook her head, smiled at us, and told us not to worry. No wind meant no storm. But the bell kept ringing. My father dipped in his last piece of food into the gravy and prepared to eat it despite the constant ringing bell, but then sighed and put it back down. He motioned over to Clarence. Clarence was the oldest, so he understood. He was nearly a man himself, and tying that bell would be no problem for him. So he grabbed a candle, protected the flame with his hand, and headed out the front door. My brothers and sisters and I piled up to the window, opening it. We found nothing but absolute still air. We watched this little spot of light move around the house and into the fields, into the direction of the bell. The clanging metallic sound stopped, finally, and the candle's little flame hovered next to it for a solid minute. Why is he taking so long to tie it, Ruth asked. Eleanor suggested maybe he's having trouble making a knot. We watched for another minute or two before, and I know how this sounds. The little flame in the distance began to rise. Slowly, smoothly, straight up. We followed it with our eyes, exclaiming the entire time as it moved out of sight beyond the roof overhang. The bell began ringing again. His knot must have come loose, Arthur said. Our parents came to look into her, look at her inconsistence, but there was nothing to be seen. Father motioned to Arthur. Happy to help out, Arthur grabbed a full lamp rather than a candle. He hurried out the front door around the house and into the fields. The lamp was easier to see, and we were absolutely certain he reached the crook. As the lamp light hovered there, the bell stopped ringing. At that point, we had no reason to think anything was amiss. Maybe the wind had just blown a wisp of burning candle string up to the sky, and Clarence had gotten lost in the dark. He could see the lamplight, find Arthur, and then they would both come back. The rising little flame we had seen had just been a fluke. The only problem was that staring out into the autumn night, we still felt no wind. We stared at the unmoving light for a strangely long period of time. What was he doing out there? Was he calling for his brother? Why couldn't we hear him? Our parents looked away for a moment, and in that instant, the lamplight went out. We children bleated, but by the time they glanced back, there was nothing to see, only darkness. The bell began ringing again. My father began grumbling, but there was no more sons to send outside. He narrowed his eyes without thought, then handed Ruth, the oldest girl among us, our main lamp. Our mother laughed. Ruth, be a dear and go find your silly brothers. Ruth was a little hesitant, but she accepted the lamp from Dad. Leaving us in the darkness without it, she headed out around the house and into the fields. This lamp was brighter, and we could actually see her carrying it. On the way there, she regularly called out, Clarence, Arthur, you two lost? About halfway there, the two lights had where the two lights had stopped, her calls went instantly silent. Clarence, Art. It wasn't that she'd given up yelling. The sound reaching us had simply stopped completely. We could see her carrying the lamp, still see her hands in pajamas, still see her turning this way. She even raised the house lamp near her face and we saw her shouting into the darkness. We just didn't hear anything. Nothing except that constantly clanging bell growing faster in pace and louder in urgency. Mary, Eleanor, and I looked up at our parents with fearful gazes. My father shook his head, speaking for the first time that night. So there's wind out there after all. The air is like a river inside an ocean. It's moving fast, carrying her voice. We just can't feel it. My mother seemed worried, but she nodded and accepted what father had said. We all glued our eyes to that open window. Ruth reached the bell, and in that stronger light, it entered our view unmoving at the exact time we heard it stopped ringing. Ruth looked this way and clearly concerned. She seemed to silently yell a time or two before moving closer to the motionless bell. A half-tied rope hung up from the crook, an indication that someone had attempted to tie it, but we couldn't see Clarence or Arthur. She put the lamp down on the ground to free her hands for tying the rope the rest of the way, 
but that mostly hid the light among the low-lying recently harvested, harvested stalks. We waited. The air held and my lungs started to burn. At long last, we were forced to breathe. Ruth's light continued to sit there, barely visible between the broken plants. What's taking so long, Mary asked. Eleanor said, I hope she's all right. Father told us she's fine. Damn kids are just playing a game. Our mother nodded in agreement. Eleanor, go fetch your sister, will you? Eleanor shook her head. No way, it's scary out there. It's just a game. You're not playing a game with us too, are you? No, Eleanor said. Then go get your sister and brothers and tell them to come back in. It was pitch black out there and almost the same inside. Trembling, Eleanor took our last candle and crept out into the night, scooting along the side of the house to stay as close to us as possible. Shakily, she called, Ruth, Arthur, Clarence, this isn't funny. Now, it was we who sat in the dark. As Eleanor began to move further away with the last of our light, we tensed up. Father's eyes opened to the front door and mother softly moved in close to latch it. I wonder what they meant by that, because now we were, now how were the others supposed to come back in? But I suppose they unlatched it if anyone came back and knocked. Mother moved away from us in search of more candles. Through it all, the bell kept ringing in the dark again. Increasingly scared, I held Mary's hand tightly and yelled out to the window, Be careful, Ellie! She must have happened across that invisible silent threshold at the moment because she turned around in surprise and stepped closer. I heard your voice go quiet, but there's no wind. She stepped away again. See, when I passed this point, my... She held up the candle to show us that her mouth was moving, but we couldn't hear anything. Come to think of it, her hair wasn't even moving, and we hadn't seen Ruth's pajamas pillowing in the wind. I asked Father, what's doing that? What's making it so quiet out there? It's just a game, Father insisted. They're all lying to us. She's just pretending to make noise so it looks like she's being silenced. Eleanor reached the bell. Father's grip on my shoulder squeezed to nearly painful. She reached down for lamps, for Ruth's lamp that she had left, lifting it with one hand and holding the candle with the other. She approached the bell. See, Mary whispered to her father, the candle's not going out even though she's not protecting the flame. There's no wind. But the bell is ringing, he said. So there is. Eleanor kept looking left and right as if she'd heard something. Slowly, she reached the bell, which was hanging unmoving from the crook. But we could still hear it ringing. Next to me, Mary began to cry. It's a game, Father said angrily. It's just a game. Eleanor threw the lamp at something in the darkness, and we saw the lamp crash, shatter, and go dark, but heard absolutely nothing. She raced towards us, candle in hand, but the flame went out because of her haste. We waited to hear her approaching or screaming, but nothing followed. But the bell continued to ring. We waited in that terrified silence. Mother returned with a candle for each of us, and we sat vigil at the window. Nothing and no one moved. For hours, the bell clanged. The night remained black. The bell clanged and clanged and clanged, driving deeper into our ears with each passing minute. Near midnight, we broke. Father was beyond agitated. Mary, go find your brothers and sisters. No, she cried. I'm not going out there. Mother glared at him. You have to. This game has to stop. Urged on by both of them, Mary burst into tears and climbed out the window. Holding her small candle, she inched into the fields. Her sobs went quiet as she passed the same point out in the darkness. Her flame reached the bell, and the ringing stopped. Her flame snuffed out. We held our breaths. The, be the bell began ringing again. Father clenched his fists. Go. I turned and saw he was looking at me. I suddenly realized I was the only child left in the house and I felt horribly alone. Everything in me shrieked against the thought of going out into that cursed night. No. My mother wavered in place, no longer admittedly in line with my father. She began to cry too. What are you doing? He demanded. It's just a game. There's nothing to be scared of. She screamed and demanded, why do you keep saying that? Why have I been helping you do this? He grabbed her and shouted in her face, because we haven't been sending our children to their deaths. This is not what's happening. She pushed his hands away and ran for the window. Pushing past me, she stumbled out and ran, screaming towards the still clanging bell, not out of fear of father, but out of fear of her children. Arthur, Clarence, Ruth, Eleanor, Mary, for God's sake, where are you? 
he growled and left out the window, yelling, We didn't kill them! Everything is fine! They both continued shouting until they passed that point in the dark and all went silent, except for the bell. Twice more it stopped ringing and twice more it began. In panic and terror beyond reason, I closed and latched the window and pushed all of the furniture against every entry of the house. I curled into a cupboard holding the last candle up to my face as it slowly melted its way down my fingers. I was alone. Somehow, I was alone. We'd all seen the danger and stared right at as it happened. But one by one, they'd all gone out there anyways. I'd been surrounded by a full band of siblings my entire life and now I was completely and utterly alone. By the length of my candle, it was three in the morning when the knock came at the door. I trembled, but did not make a sound. The knock sounded again, 40 heartbeats later. It was louder this time. I shook, holding my candle tight. The third knock was more of this, like, tre this tremendous crash or kick, and I heard the door explode inwards. 60 heartbeats of silence passed, and the floorboards creaked. Something in me told me to put up my candle if, for fear of it being seen through the cracks of the cupboard, but I didn't. Not darkness. I couldn't handle darkness. I would scream if I did, so I kept it lit. Slow, quiet steps moved through the house. Whoever it was seemed to be pausing and listening at times. At others, they would rush forward to a random spot in sudden frenzy and then stop. 400 heartbeats after that, the bell began ringing again. But this time, it rang from inside the house. It rang from the kitchen. It rang from the bed. It rang inside, outside of my cupboard. Clang. 10 feet away. Clang. 5 feet away. Clang. Right up against the cupboard door. And then it opened. I sat expectingly mouth open and eyes wide as I waited for my great-grandmother to continue. After a bit, I realized that, what did you see? I said. She shook her head. That's not the point. I'm here, so obviously I survived. And a young man like you doesn't need to know what horrors walk this world outside the paved cities of man. Gulping, I asked. You're not pulling my leg. This really happened? Yes. Her gaze went distant by television light. But here's what I want to tell you, and what you should tell your brother. The thing that opened that cupboard door and stared at me from the dark, the thing that hoped to wait out my candle before the coming of dawn, had a bell tied to one of its teeth, with a blood-soaked rag, such that it would clang when its mouth was opened for hunting. Somehow, some way, some her heroic poor soul managed to tie a warning bell to that thing before they died. We heard that warning bell all night, and yet my entire family walked out, one by one. We didn't listen because we didn't want to. My father knew what he was doing halfway through, but he didn't want to accept that what he's already done. So he did even worse to continue living in the lie. I narrowed my eyes. What are you saying? She grabbed my hand. Fear will tell you to put out your candle, but your head will tell you to keep it lit. Don't give in to fear. Keep it lit and you'll get through this. Turning my head, I became more, more aware of a sound in the distance. Is that, is that the bell? I was so caught up, I didn't even notice. How long has it been ringing? She just clenched her fists and turned back to the television in complete silence. So, wait, explain. I don't even know. Like, so I think... I can't tell if she's just like teaching him a lesson, like. So, like, did they did they kill the the children? Yes. Why? The father did and told the mom not to say anything. Why? Great question. I think. Why did it all go fucking silent? I'm so confused. It was good, but I'm so confused. Yeah, like after a certain time, like their screams stopped. But who was out there? The grandma wouldn't say. Who cleaned the bell? Because in the beginning of the story, he said the bell was like rusted for like a thousand years. Their blood. They That's... used their blood to clean the bell. This story was just messed up. It was dark. I think um, grandma should have just kept that one to herself maybe. Yeah. Imagine having like eight kids and being like, yeah, there's too many. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, guys, that was a couple of the top rated creepy pastas to end up the thing. You're seeing a view you guys have never seen before. Behind me is actually my YouTube set. <laughs> you can see how this rolls. But I want to say thank you so much. I know we've moved down to monthly, but 
we did make it we're trying to make it an hour for you guys every time and i hope you enjoyed these creepy passes because i'm down to read more of them if you want to mm-hmm. um if you have written a short story and you want us to read it these are my favorite things to do on the podcast so no matter what's going on in your life please know that we love you and things will get better taylor anything left to say please stay here we love you we do we love you there's always a better tomorrow there's always a better tomorrow so i love you guys and until next time stay spooky angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well if you own a home you know how much work it can take whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.